Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this for the 8th day of January 2018 from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. It's an even year. Interesting things happen on an even year. If the Giants had even a mediocre bullpen in 2016, they probably would have topped the Cubs. And uh, who knows, this whole even year thing may still be going on. But hey, as we found out in the suffering index, that San Francisco Giant fans have absolutely nothing to complain about. And, you know, for my many Cub fan friends, that was quite a year. And you don't want to take that away from them unless you're an Indian fan. I, I, I still... It's funny, I still am a little, I smart a little bit at the 2016 World Series because I was rooting so hard for Cleveland to win the World Series that year, and they didn't. But for Cubs fans, eh, I can't take that away from you. Hey, here's a Cub fan I can't take anything away from. It's a longtime friend of the podcast, uh, our dear friend Cubs fan with an eight, uh, wrote me on the 5th of January. Actually, before I get to that, before I get to that, uh, he, he, Cubs fan on the night wrote to me on the 5th of January, and that's going to be the bulk of what we're going to be talking about today. But I want to go over a, a very interesting comment that I got on the podcast that, you know, when you, if you want to leave a review on uh, iTunes, then please go ahead and do so. It would be It's good for me to have reviews on there. But I had someone write to me, where the hell is this thing here? It was on, it was a comment, and I believe it was left on the the, the Podbean uh, message board from when I did the podcast on the, here it is, when I did the podcast on how Canadian fans, baseball fans and sports fans in general are suffering the most because the Blue Jays haven't won since 93, the Expos are gone, and if you're a hockey fan, you haven't seen a Canadian Stanley Cup since the Montreal Canadiens won in 1993. That was the premise of what I was saying. And so I said, nobody suffers like Canadian fans was the name of the podcast, and that was the, the, the crux of it. And I got a message. Someone posted a comment uh, on that podcast, and I figured I should... Uh, uh, relate to it. It says, Canadians suffer? And that was uh, about three question marks to that. And I thought, yeah, I made that clear in terms of their sports fandom. Said, you serious? Americans have to deal with guns and crime laws. Feel sorry for you guys. Sully, you're pro-USA. Y-O-U-R. We don't feel bad at all. Well, I want to thank you for uh, completely getting the crux of the podcast. Clearly, you listened to it and listened to all the different angles and what I had to say about that. Uh, uh, clearly, what I was saying was a, a social commentary on gun laws and crime laws and uh, the state of political being and social being in America. Yes, that's clearly what I was doing. Oh, wait, that wasn't at all what I was doing. I was talking about sports fandom and the escape that is. You know, if I was saying that no one suffers like 
uh, fans in San Diego. I'm, you know, San Diego is a beautiful city. It's a wonderful city. If you live in San Diego, and it, it, it's an expensive city to live in for the most part. So if you're living in San Diego, you know, things are going well for you right now. But it was purely as a sports analogy, as a sports discussion. You know, I mean, when we see some of the horrible gun violence that takes place in America and some of the inane laws that, you know, allow them to happen here as opposed to other countries, I'm not sitting back saying, well, at least the Red Sox won the 2013 World Series. You do understand that that's what I'm talking about. That that, you know, that the suffering of sports fandom is a much different animal than the suffering of reality. Yesterday, the Buffalo Bills lost a playoff game to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it continues the long-suffering of Buffalo Bills fans and Buffalo sports fans in general. I'm not talking about the suffering in life. So it strikes me that you are suffering an incredible amount, and you want to take it out on your pal Sully, but you can't because of gun laws. I don't know. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I, I love it when people... Um, don't get it, and spell your incorrectly. It's Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. This isn't about me being pro-USA. I happen to, I am an American. I'm a proud American and everything like that. Uh, And I acknowledge our many, many flaws. That's one of the things that makes the country great is you can acknowledge those flaws and do something about it. But that's not what this podcast is about. It's about sports and baseball in particular. And if you're a Canadian, you're suffering. And I could read right through what you're saying. So I figured it was time for me to address that. I've been sitting on that for a few days. They wrote to me on the um, 3rd of January. thought I'd talk about it now. Now, let's talk about another person from a foreign land. Cubs fan with an eight, my dear friend, who I've met in person and has done the podcast a few times, is located in Switzerland. I know that he is hearing me say these exact words right now. Um, Here's what he wrote to me also on the 5th. Sully Baseball, that's me. For your next podcast, I'd like to hear your take on the free agent market and possible collusion. He said as a Sunday request, when I was doing the daily podcast, each Sunday was devoted to uh, listener requests through Twitter. I'm going to be doing a different format of that coming up this year. Uh, If I was really organized, I would have had this for Sunday, but here it is on Monday. You're going to have to deal with that. Um, The free agent market is at a little bit of a standstill, at least as I'm recording this. A lot of the big names are still out there. Jake Arrieta, Hugh Darvish. Uh, uh, Eric Hosmer, Lorenzo Cain. There was a, there's a lot of bodies that are still floating around out there that are having trouble finding a home. Now, I have no doubt that they will find a home, but I also have no doubt that there'll be a glut of bargain-free agents that can be had uh, going into spring training, as, as not everyone will have been signed. Players will want to have a job, and they'll take a shorter-term deal and lower money than they would in the past because that's the reality of the market. I believe that you, Darvish, you see, I'm terrible at predicting where people will land. Uh, I personally think Eric Cosmer will go back to the Royals because I think that the Padres and the Royals are the two teams that are bidding the highest for him. And, you know, 
why not just stay in a situation you're comfortable in? Padres aren't going to be good next year. Neither will the Royals, but at least he has the cachet of it'll be his team. Um, Lorenzo Cain, he's too good a player to not find a home. I, I thought he was going to go to the San Francisco Giants. I have a feeling he's going to go to a team like the Brewers or the Rangers. I think Yu Darvish is going to go to the Twins eventually because I think the Twins see they have a window of opportunity right now. And a pitcher like Darvish could really, really go a long way. But it wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to the Rangers. It wouldn't surprise me if he signed with the uh, Angels. And I also think the one of these players that are floating out there is going to land with the Philadelphia Phillies. I think the Phillies have a ton of money to spend when a lot of the, you know, go, going forward. And I think that they can line stuff up and fill in some holes with a couple of signings here or there. There are other pitchers like, you know, say Lance Lynn, who is an innings eater. And when I look at him, I think, geez, wouldn't he be perfect with the Cleveland Indians? A guy who's, you know, he's not going to be paid the big bucks, but he's a guy who you hand the ball to him, you're going to get six, seven decent innings. And if you're a team that already has a good bullpen and a good lineup, someone like him will probably be a 17-18 game winner. You're not supposed to look at wins anymore. Shut up. What I'm saying is that he will be pitch well enough for your team to win and not wear down your bullpen. He's a classic the way that, you know, John Garland was that kind of pitcher when he pitched for the Chicago White Sox. You know, Storm Davis was that kind of guy when he was with the A's that he pitched well enough to keep him in the games, handed the bullpen, and next thing you know, he walks around with 18, 19 wins under his belt. You know, some contending team. As a Red Sox fan, I would love to have a pitcher like Lance Lynn who's like, okay, we're going to hand you the ball, you keep us in the game to the seventh. Done. That's his job. Every once in a while, he'll pitch a masterpiece. Every once in a while, the bullpen and the lineup will bail his ass out. But there's a lot of swirling around of not sure where anyone's going to land at this point. It's been a very slow free agent market. It's been a very boring free agent market. And I'm sure it's for people my age and people who remember collusion in the 1980s when owners didn't sign players intentionally to break the union and to bust free agency, it smells a little similar. Like, hmm, no one's signing these players. Well, but there's a big difference. There's a big difference, and there's a little bit of me, when I see Cubs fan with an eight write this, and I hear some people whispering about this, there's a little part of me saying, you can't have it both ways. You can't. This is the market. This is... What happens when you put a product out there and people are deciding what is the market value of that? And when I say you can't have it both ways, it's this. We've seen teams make disastrous signings. And we laugh, or sometimes cry, when we see a team burned by a terrible free agent contract. As a Boston Red Sox fan, I'm looking out saying, well, we're still paying Pablo Sandoval for the next few years to play somewhere else. He's going to be in a giant uniform or wherever, and the Red Sox are going to be picking up the tab. If you're an Angels fan, you're looking up saying, gee whiz, I wonder if we can somehow get out of this Albert Pujols contract, because it's a disastrous contract. 
These contracts, when they happen, people go like, oh, wow, look, they signed them for all these years. And at the same breath, they're like, oh, man, look at this long-term contract they can't get out of. Now, in terms of Pujols and Sandoval, those were two contracts that I criticized when they made them. I made the video back in 2011 saying there's no way Pujols is going to be the productive player over 10 years with the Angels, and that's been the truth. And I all but did candlelight vigils to prevent the Red Sox from signing Sandoval, which I knew was going to be a disastrous contract, and it was a catastrophe. So, on the one hand, we mock front offices when they make bad free agent signings. And on the other hand, we're saying, why are you making more free agent signings? Well, because they are waiting to blink. In the 1980s, there was collusion. I mean, that's not, uh, you know, that isn't a hyperbole. That isn't sort of a, some sort of uh, conspiracy theory. It, it happened. When you look at the, you know, when you look at what, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Peter, Uber, Peter Uberoff, uh, when he was the commissioner of baseball, basically told owners, what are you doing signing these free agents? The owners were trying to bust free agency, break the union. And uh, if you read the book Lords of the Realm by John Hellyard, it's a great, great book. And they talk about the meetings that were had and that the individual owners were basically undressed and, and embarrassed for the signings. The, the long-term signs that they had. And so when you saw in 85, 86, 87, players like Tim Raines, players like Jack Morris, players like Carlton Fisk, players like Andre Dawson, go out in the free agent market and no one was making them offers, it's because they were trying to bust the union. Think about that. When you, th- I mean, that's one of the things about the baseball in the 80s that is the most, you know, smash your face against the wall. I don't care if you think Jack Morris is a Hall of Famer or not. If you put Jack Morris in your rotation in the mid-'80s, he was going to improve your rotation. If you think about the teams that just missed, you could have had Morris in your rotation. You could have had Tim Raines, a Hall of Fame hitter, batting champion, the, the best leadoff hitter not named Ricky Henderson. You could have put him in your lineup top of your lineup in his prime and baseball said no we won't sign him we won't do it and it wasn't because teams you know all at the time it was 26 teams all 26 teams said i think we're going to be frugal now no they worked together they by all definition colluded but this is different this is a different situation this is understanding value. This is also acknowledging that the steroid era may not be completely over. There, of course, will always be PEDs out there. But the notion that a player doesn't maintain a high level of superstar uh, output when they get into their mid-30s and into their late-30s. So if you see a player, by the time they get to free agency... It'll be, you know, six, seven years into their career. So that means, for the most part, they're either going to be in their late 20s or their early 30s. 
Okay. And so you can assume that you're only going to get maybe one or two years of their prime. And then you're going to be paying for past performances. And so if you're a contract, if you're looking at a contract and say, are we going to shove and a, a gigantic backloaded contract to pay for past services? Or are we going to find a more economically smart way to do it? Are we going to mix and match? Are we going to platoon? Are we going to use our farm system? Are we going to value our draft picks? And so when we hear all the analytics saying, hey, you can get the same production from this combination of players. You can get more production if you build through the farm system in your draft. You can spend your money more wisely than clogging up your payroll with a player in his late 30s who isn't the same who isn't producing the same as this person making 1 million a year we can't then scratch our heads and wonder if there's collusion maybe it's intelligence and maybe this is the free market we're talking about the canadian before and cubs fan with an 8 in switzerland now there's nothing in america we love more than the free market but the free market giveth and it taketh away. Sure, the, the times were great when the people were signing six, seven-year contracts. The players were on PEDs. They were remaining top-level producers you know, deep into their 30s. But it's not the case anymore. And even though baseball is flush with money, it's not necessarily how much money you spend, but how smartly you spend it. And if you're an owner, you say, why would I... Sign a player now. Why won't, why won't I wait for someone to blink? Why won't I wait to see if a player comes off the table and I can get someone for a two, three-year deal as opposed to a seven- or eight-year deal that will cripple the team? Zach Grinke is a wonderful pitcher and one of the reasons why the Arizona Diamondbacks made it to the division series last year. But his gigantic contract is like 40% of the payroll of the Diamondbacks. And as wonderful as he is, they're looking to get out from under that. You have to, you have to get like an immediate return, like a world championship right out of the bat. And then look to see if you can dump it. But there's not as many places to dump. People are getting smarter. You're not going to see, and I brought up Sandoval, I brought up Albert Pujols, you know, sentimental contracts like the one given to Vernon Wells or the one given to Ryan Howard. Both of them turned out to be long-term albatrosses that they're like, oh, it's great that you're here, we love you. But by the time it was over, by the time they were able to finally pawn the, the, pawn the contract up and free up the payroll, it was a gigantic sigh of relief. You know, one of the things in the Lord of the Realms you read about is that, and, and they mentioned this on uh, Buster Olney's uh, Baseball Tonight podcast, is that Charlie Finley wanted to make all the players free agents. If free agency was going to come about, he said, give it to all the players every year. Because he knew supply and demand would be on the side of the owners. Instead of the trickle of free agency, and the other owners just hated anything that was said by Charlie Finley, so they ignored him. And it wound up becoming a cash cow for the players. Well, this isn't collusion. It's intelligence. It's data. 
it's access to smart analytics and say, wait a minute, you know, it's not all going to be uh, uh, Peter Brand. It's not all going to be Jonah Hill talking to Brad Pitt quietly in the Cleveland Indian parking lot. It's now out in the open. Wait a minute, I have to pay $20 million for this. I can pay two players $3.5 million to get the same production. Now, in the end, everyone's going to be a millionaire. But the idea of handing out $100 million contracts, like you're, you know, you're passing out flyers outside of a comedy club, is not going to happen. Because people are too smart for that now. And saying there's a better way to do it. And saying, well, let's see what we can get the closer we wait. It's smart business. It's not collusion. This is the result of intelligence. This is the result of the analytics movement. Is saying, well, we're better off not signing these players. Now, what will until February? Not as a collection of the owners kind of doing the blood oath saying we will break the union, but as individual teams, individual businesses saying this is the best way for us to spend the money. We're going to spend the money. Payrolls are going to be in the hundred millions of dollars. Players are making million dollars a year. But what may be gone is the five, six-year contracts for free agents. That may be a thing of the dodo. And you're starting to see. I mean, this is what happened with the, the Stanton contract. And you're starting to see with other teams that if you're going to spend that money, spend it on your own player in their prime. If you're going to pay top dollar, pay top dollar for your own guy and lock up their prime years instead of paying for someone for services rendered. The Marlins did that, signed Stanton. They wound up trading him in the whole contract, but they were paying for Stanton's prime. The Angels paid for Trout's prime. The Reds paid for Joey Votto's prime. And that's... That's maybe the way when you the next time you start seeing eight, nine-year deals, it won't be for players entering free agency. It will be players approaching free agency. And the big-name players who become free agents will be getting two- or three-year deals instead. I, that's not collusion. That's intelligence. That's just doing the game right and saying, well, man, if you're 30 years old, and you're a top level player. If you're if you're a top, you know, giving your team tons of wins a year, but you're 30, does it make sense to sign you to a six year deal? No, it makes sense to sign you to a three year deal. That that makes all the sense in the world. A three year deal. Now, if you're that level of player and said you've never had that big, huge payday. So, well, then do you what? You may just have to be a survivor. You may have a cluttered back of your baseball card and every two or three years you're signing with someone else. That may be the way of the future. But if I'm running a team, I'm not handing out six-year deals to guys who've already celebrated their 29th birthday. Absolutely not. There's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. A two-year deal, I think, you know what, that's harmless. You know, because at the end, it becomes a one-year deal. 
A three-year contract for anyone in their 30s is probably the most I would ever do. Maybe with an option or whatever like that. But when you think of how many times a player falls off the cliff by the time they hit 33, 34, 35 years old, you want to pay for that? You want to, why, why can't we sign this free agent? Oh, because we're paying for this guy. That's what they're trying to avoid. In the end, there will be millionaires made and millions made by teams. But what may be really fun to see, and for people like me and people like you and people who follow the game, is to see, does this turn the week's leading up to pitchers and catchers reporting into a true feeding frenzy? Does it turn into, oh my God, with, with teams about to report and all these players available, will players start jumping at two or three year deals or even one year deals to the point where there becomes a gigantic flood of hot stove movement right before this Spring training begins. I think it will. And I think that's fun. And I think it's smart. You can't say teams are so dumb for signing these players for long-term deals and at the same time say, hey, why aren't you signing more players to long-term deals? Maybe they're not as dumb. Maybe they're not as dumb. And I don't think it's a form of a collusion. I think it's collective intelligence. When the A's were doing it and making the postseason every year, it was worthy of another book and a movie starring Brad Pitt. But now people have figured out, hey, you know, don't look at the, hey, they didn't win a World Series, so how smart could it have been? Yeah, shut up. They're making the playoffs every year. They're winning 100 games every year with a zero payroll. And people say, hey, how do you do that? And maybe you don't do it for a zero payroll. But you do it for a smart payroll. You know, it's not always the money you spent, but where you spend the money. The Dodgers have piles and piles of money and great players on their team. And they would be a lot better off making sure the Bellingers and the Seegers and the Turners and the Kershaws are taken care of rather than going out and trying to sign players to multi-deals because, like, oh, man, we got to bring stars in. Develop your own stars and keep them. That's where the big contracts are going to lie because that's the smartest money to spend. Not on the past, but on the present. So, Cubs fan with an eight, that's my little talk of America to you. I hope you're not neutral about that. He's Swiss. You see what I did there? Never mind. Hey, by the way, um, go to Amazon and they have, I have my own copy of Lords of the Realm by John Hellyer, but read it. It's a fascinating book about the business and owner and player history of baseball. It's not about who won the World Series this year or that, but basically how the league basically unfolded over the years. It's a fascinating read. So anyway, um, go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Subscribe the iTunes, iPod, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. Look out for the Patreon page information over the next two weeks. And the music, as always, is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Avoiding the talk of collusion and keeping it about intelligence. This is Sully Baseball for the 8th day of January 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Do not collude. Call me Sully.